Hey there, it's Tyson Sharp here. And if you're looking to be more confident, more compelling, and more captivating on video for your business, this is the episode for you. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the Awaken Your Business podcast. My name's Tyson Sharp, and if it's also your mission to heighten consciousness, yes, you are a light worker. And it's in this podcast where you execute that heart's mission by integrating your spiritual and business growth. This is what I call stepping into the role of the heart-centered CEO. This is the version of you who knows the numbers, you know how to grow an audience, you know how to create more impact and more income. But every business strategy is done through the filter of love, compassion, consciousness, and contribution. So when you're ready, take a deep breath, and I'll see you on the inside. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my online family, welcome back to another episode of the Awaken Your Business podcast. And yes, if you're looking to be more confident, more compelling, and more captivating when speaking, this is the episode for you. We have Victoria here that's going to walk us all through her amazing journey of becoming a speaker and how to overcome all of the fears along the journey. Because we know if we're building a business online these days, we need to learn how to speak. We need to learn how to be engaging because the more people are engaged, the more they receive your message, the more they're more likely to jump on board with uh, your paid programs, your paid services. And I love this. I started doing uh, Toastmasters a while ago, went through that whole journey of just getting up in front of 15 people and started speaking. I did that before my first in-person event in front of 30 people or so. It was just a huge growth transformation to be able to learn how to stand in front of an audience and speak with confidence. So that's what Victoria is going to walk us through. I'll read you a little bit about her, about a small little bit of a, a bit of a bio, but Victoria teaches introverted entrepreneurs and business professionals how to overcome the fear of public speaking and become confident, compelling, captivating, of course and taking her own experiences going from scared to a sought after speaker. Victoria founded the Brilliant Speakers Academy, online speaking coaching program for introverts. First of all, Victoria, welcome. For everyone who's wanting to know, how do you pronounce your last name? <laughs> I am Victoria Lewisniansky, and there's gonna be a test at the end how to spell it. <laughs> yes, okay, great, awesome. I'm not, I'm not taking that test. <laughs> As soon as we, we jumped on here, I'm like, how do you pronounce your last name? And, and I'm like, I'm leaving that up to you. So <laughs> we got the formalities out of the way, but I'll put the links in the show notes for people who want to look you up and everything like that. So that there's no dramas there. But first of all, welcome. How the hell did you get into all of this and teaching people how to become public speakers and definitely more confident on video and those sort of things? Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here, Tyson. And my story is a very unusual one. You know, most of the time you hear people say, oh, well, I got here because I was so good at something. And then I realized I need to teach other people. Well, I got here because I was so bad at something. And that something was actually public speaking. I was not just bad. I was terrified of it. And I think a lot of people can relate to that. Very few people can honestly say, oh, yeah, you want me to speak in front of 200 people? Sure, tomorrow. I'm good to go. We all have this fear, and some of us have it in a lot bigger capacity, and that I was one of those people. I had a truly traumatic event when I was very little. I was 10 years old, and I was on stage in front of thousand people. I had to recite a poem that I was only given that afternoon. I couldn't remember a word. I was shaking, I was sweaty. I was completely and totally stressed out and I couldn't say anything and the audience started giggling. You can imagine, I ran off stage in tears and I really did not wanna have anything to do with speaking in front of an audience. In fact, just seeing microphone was giving me like real serious <laughs> anxiety, true anxiety. And 
I, when I moved to the United States in my early 20s, I started my first business very shortly after, and that business was web development company. And I'm going to totally date myself. I'm very old. That business was before we had Facebook and YouTube, okay? <laughs> it was a while back. A while. I know, right? And back then, without all of those tools, you really didn't have much in terms of how can you find your audience, how can you talk to your audience without physically being in front of your audience, right? And so I had to kind of get through that fear and speak and I was pushing through the fear. I was still terribly scared and I was trying and trying because, you know, everybody says, hey, do it scared, right? How many times have you heard that? Do it scared, practice makes perfect, sure thing. I was out there doing it scared, practicing and practicing, and I wasn't getting any better. I was still as terrified. I, I didn't feel I was connecting with my audience at all. In fact, I couldn't even see it. It was a blur. You know how you're standing in front of people and it's a blur? That was a blur. I, I was just couldn't wait to get out of that situation. And after doing it for quite some time and not seeing a lot of improvements, I started realizing that I'm doing it wrong that there has to be a different way to do this. There has to be a way to do it where you actually enjoy it. You know, where you speak to an audience and you're not feeling frozen in fear the whole time. And I was, I have very analytical brain, you know, former software engineer. So I, I started kind of figuring out what I'm, what I'm doing wrong, where I'm going wrong. What, what am I, why am I feeling the way I'm feeling? And I did realize that I'm making some massive mistakes that I'm making because a lot of people tell me to make them and I'm making them. And as I started fixing those mistakes, I started getting better and better and better. And, and I, again, I wasn't even thinking of teaching public speaking, God forbid, no. I was you know, doing my thing. I was building my career in the corporate world. I was building several businesses and people started approaching me after I would do a presentation somewhere at work or for my business they would come up to me after and say, can you teach me how to be so relaxed and so great at speaking to an audience? You look like you're natural. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm not a natural at all. I used to be scared. And this is when I realized how many people are really not comfortable with this whole idea of public speaking. I actually honestly thought it was just me because everybody around me seemed to have a handle on it. And I kind of felt I was the only one. And this is where... I thought, okay, I know how, because I had to walk that journey. I had to actually make those shifts myself. I know exactly how to go from being absolutely terrified and not wanting to do it ever to being very, very confident and at ease and actually engaging with my audience mm. and actually liking it, right? And this is where I sat down and I kind of break it all, broke it all down and I put it step by step by step and created a framework, a system that became the foundation for my Brilliant Speakers Academy. And since then, I've been coaching hundreds of students from all over the world um, how to transform into being a confident, compelling, and captivating speaker. Powerful. How long did it take you to go from, you know, once you started realizing, oh, I've been, I've been doing this on stage and I've been doing this for a while and I'm still scared. How long did it take you to uh to become confident and then have other people from the audience come up to you and say hey can you teach me how to do this how long was that period years years because you have to think about it i had no idea what i was doing i had to do something and then say oh that was really bad i don't know why and then do it again and like okay that was still bad but i think now i know why because i didn't have the map in front of me right i didn't have a system. I was going blind. It literally took me years. Whereas now my students are taking months to mm. get where they want to be. So it, it's really all about not knowing what you're doing and also hearing all this noise because there is so much noise around telling you how you're supposed to do it. And most of that noise is just a band-aid. Mm. You know, when you are, when in your head, you are scared, you, you, you don't wanna do it, you, you feel like a fraud, you feel like you're not good enough. And 
all this noise is just giving you band-aid after band-aid after band-aid like oh but if you if you say it like this you're going to appear confident oh but if you only you know walk on stage like this you'll appear confident or only if you you know picture your audience naked which is the stupidest thing ever you'll feel confident like all of those are band-aids and this is what this is what i realized you have to truly change the way you see public speaking, the way you see yourself, the way you see your audience, the way you see what you're presenting, you have to completely change your mindset. And then you won't need the bandit. Because the truth is, the worst thing you can do is to try to appear confident. Whereas what I want my students to do is to be confident. Mm. Because when you are confident naturally in front of your audience, then you don't have to pretend. You can just be yourself and you are not feeling scared. Yeah. And I know that the majority of people listening to this either are getting out speaking, whether it be on videos, on interviews, on podcasts, whatever it is, they're getting out there and they're either getting out there and they're, they're still overcoming that fear of looking silly, of, you know, making mistakes and the vulnerability and, and, and openness of this type of, you know, communication is, is, can bring up a lot of deep fear. My, my question would be, since when you, start, when you started going from a, you know, you started getting scared and it wasn't really going away, what are the things that you did differently that allowed you to go from stage and continue to be scared to therefore starting to really captivate and really start to be in a space of connecting with your audience. What is something that you, you, you did or some things that you had? Was it, was it a matter of instead of looking for appearance and actually start being, or, or was it something else that you found? There were a few things that I felt really were the key to me changing the tide of me being so scared. And one of those things was, realizing that I don't need to pretend because if I am spending my time trying to appear confident or trying to appear more knowledgeable than I am or trying to build this massive facade of greatness or trying to be like somebody I admire, I put so much energy into that and I'm not putting any energy. There is no energy left to put into my actual talk into my actual connection with the audience. So that was the first thing. And we can, of course, can talk more about it, but, and I know how hard it is. It's sometimes, you know, we build that facade to, to hide behind it because this way we feel, we don't feel as exposed. We feel like, okay, well, if I look like, you know, I know my stuff, then my audience will think I know my stuff and yay. But the truth is, no matter how much you are pretending, even though you may be an expert and you really do know your stuff, but you're trying to build this pretense, this, this facade, no matter how much you're building it, at some point, they're going to be cracks in it and your audience will be like, wait, that's a completely different person. You know, I've heard from somebody, it's not even my student, but just somebody I chatted with. And this lady said, hey, you know, I, I'm afraid of public speaking. I said, well, what do you do? She says, I actually do presentations at work every month and I've been doing them for 15 years. I'm like, wait, for 15 years? every single month you're presenting and you're still afraid of it. And she said, yes, no matter what I'm doing, I'm, you know, I'm trying to appear like I'm this knowledgeable person and I'm not enjoying it. I'm not connecting with anybody. I like, I'm doing okay job, I'm sure, but I am still very uncomfortable, very much terrified. And I think a part of it is that instead of just shedding this whole pretense and just going like, you know what, this is me. What you see is what you get. Take it it's so much easier. Take it a little, exactly, exactly. And I know we feel almost like naked in a way, right? When we just come out as we are, but at the same time, it's so liberating. And so that's, that's the first thing that you kind of need to change your mindset about that I am enough. Because you wouldn't be speaking in front of those people wherever you are, Maybe you're leading a meeting at work, or maybe you are giving a report to your client, or maybe you are doing a live stream as a coach to your audience, right? Or whatever you're doing, you wouldn't be in that position if you actually didn't know 
stuff that you are talking about, right? So you have to believe that what you have, that knowledge, that experience is enough. You have to understand that you're enough without pretending to be any more than you are. And so that's like, that's the first thing that when it really dawned on me, it felt so much easier to be in front of people and just be myself and not try to be like someone, you know, some influencer that is amazing and I just want to be like her, right? Just be myself. So that's the first thing. But the second thing, and that, that second thing I came across purely by accident. I was speaking, I think I was doing training at work and I was so into what I was saying that training was, it was going to be like so important and so beneficial for the division that I was given it to. I was so engrossed into, let me tell you all about it. This is gonna be so awesome. You know, everything in your life is gonna change, blah, 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 right? I really believed in it. And everything that I was saying, I was so focused on my audience that when I finished, I looked back and I was like, wait, today I didn't quite feel as scared. I actually forgot to be scared. Why, why did I forget to be scared? And then I realized, oh my gosh, Today was the day when I truly, truly focused on my audience, when I shifted all the focus away from me and my fear and how I'm not good at this to let me help you. And that was a huge shift. Wow. Was that the moment where you, whether we were speaking at work or speaking on stage, was, was that the moment when you started realizing, oh my God, I I forgot to be scared. I, I actually need to, I'm actually in a space of service and so excited about what I'm talking about that that's how you started finding this, you know, formula, all these, these teaching topics that help people overcome fear. Is that what it was? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it was. And you, and then of course I've started reading about fear, right? I was trying to educate myself on the science of fear and I found out that we, our brain cannot focus on several big things at a time. I mean, we can multitask and focus on little things, right? But like really big things, we, if we focus on something, our brain is like right there. That's all our brain is focusing on. And I realized that when I am putting all my focus on my audience intentionally, right? It has to be intentional because if you don't do it intentionally, your focus is going to go right back into, oh, I'm not good enough. They're about to judge me, all of that stuff, right? But if you intentionally put your focus on your audience, your brain won't be able to go back into, oh, I'm scared. Oh, I'm really not good at this. And they are going to figure this out, right? Your brain is focused on that. Your brain is not sending fear signals into your body. It's, it's truly physical, right? It's not sending fear signals all of a sudden you're not experiencing them and you realize I'm not experiencing, I'm not, my heart is not racing as much. I'm not as sweaty, right? Why? Because I focused on one thing and I allowed myself to stop sitting in my head and really, really focused on my audience. What is it, what is it that you're focusing on your audience in particular? Is it focusing on what they need to understand or the benefits at the end? Or is it just connecting in that moment? What, what about the audience in particular are you focused on? Let me first say what you don't focus on. Because a lot of people hear this and they go like, okay, well, I need to focus on my audience. Oh, let me focus on what my audience thinks of me. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's our own focus, okay? Do not focus on what your audience thinks of you because that brings you right back into, oh, yeah, they're probably thinking I'm not good enough, right? you do not want to be in that space at all. You want to intentionally get out of the space. So when you focus on your audience, you truly are focusing on one thing. How do I want to make them feel? How do I want to make them feel? If you focus purely on, oh, there is this piece of knowledge I need to transfer. Oh, there is, a, I don't know, even if you wanted to help, like this is something that I think they'll benefit from that would still be slightly wrong focus because when you truly want to create a connection with your audience, you, all you need to think about is how you want to make them feel because only when they feel something, 
they're going to truly, truly connect with you. They're going to truly feel like what you're saying is something important and powerful. Mm -hmm. And if you think about any, any presentation you ever attend, it could be a live stream, it could be a presentation on stage, most of them you can't even remember. Like you can't even remember sitting there. They're completely gone from your mind. Why? Because that person didn't make you feel something special. Mm. Because if you feel a change in yourself, I guarantee five years later, you're still going to look back and say, I don't remember exactly what he said, but I remember how he made me feel. Yeah. Are there moments like that for you that you can recall when you were, when you look back and you say, oh my God, I remember that because of how they made me feel. Are there some moments that come to you? Yes, but that was, it, it probably be more recent because before I wasn't, you know, I wasn't even thinking of that in that way. I didn't even, like, I couldn't understand why I would think this person was a great public speaker and this person was not a great public speaker, mm -hmm. right? A lot of times you look at it and you think, oh, maybe it's the way they talk or the way they carry themselves, the way they dress. And it has nothing to do with it. And only later, only when I actually started building my, my program, I, 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 I really nailed it down that no, it's not about how they say and what they say. It's about how they made me feel. Mm. And this is the most powerful thing that you can do is focus on how you want your audience to feel. Yeah. What are some examples? Some examples of some empowering things to make audiences feel, whether is it, is it empowered? Is it, is it passionate? Is it sympathetic? Is it loving? What are some things in the past that you've done that where your focus has been, I want my audience to feel this? Could be all of those. But you really, but it really depends on that specific audience. So let's let's say, as an example, let's say you're a health coach. Let's say you know dieting, eating healthy that stuff. I'm not a big expert on this, but I'll just use it as an example because it relates to all of us. We kind of all understand that whole industry. So let's say you're a health coach and you are in front of an audience, and these are people who may be overweight, right? And you're talking to them, and there are different things that you can decide you want to make them feel. And it's entirely up to you, you know, what you're thinking. So one coach may say, you know what? I'm going to make them feel ashamed about the way they look. Would that be a way to go? Of course not. But you can succeed in this. And if that coach was really trying, yes, she would make them feel bad and whether they're going to you know, work with her or not, that's a big question, but this is probably not what you want to do, right? What would you want to do? You look at that audience and you, you decide for yourself, if I wanted to inspire them, what would be, how, how, in what way do I want to inspire them or in what way do I want to motivate them? So maybe for that particular audience, you think, you know what? I'm not going to be talking about looking good. I'm going to talk about feeling good, feeling that even though you're maybe in your 40s, you feel like you're in your 20s because you're so healthy and light and you feel light and you feel like you have tons of energy and you can play with your kids and you can do, you know, all of this cool stuff that you're doing with your business without getting tired. And this, is, this could be your reality if you lose weight, totally making it up, right? Yeah. But, but you see where I'm going with this? You find something that you want your audience to feel. What are they going to feel? They're going to feel inspired, but they're going to feel inspired not just to lose weight for the sake of losing weight, for the sake of counting off those pounds, not losing weight maybe for the sake of being on the cover of a magazine, but losing weight for the sake of their family, themselves, how they feel about themselves. So you, you have to figure out what feeling you're trying to evoke, right? Mm. This, is, this is very important. And depending on that feeling, you will structure your whole presentation. Because again, you can make them feel any way you want. You have to make sure that how you're making them feel is actually the, the, the way that you want them to feel. Yeah. Otherwise you're gonna to go towards their own path and uh, you're gonna have a wrong result. Yeah, so to sort of summarize what's been going on here, you say you need to shift from trying to appear a certain way to being a certain way, you know, trying to pretend because yes. pretending takes a lot of energy. Uh, 
two is around about belief. It's sort of having the area of, man, I need to believe in what I'm saying. I need to believe that I'm enough and believe in, in what I'm presenting and yes. focus on your audience, focus on how you want them to feel and what emotion can you allow them to feel? It's going to allow the most change for them. And if, if that, if that comes across in a particular way that lands and you're truly there to serve and focus on them, then you don't have time to be scared. You don't have, you, right. your brain can't focus on all those multiple things and therefore you're less in yourself and more in them. And therefore that's a, you know, it, it's a, it's a great shift for yourself. So why do you think it is such a big obstacle for people? Why do you think it's such a, a scary thing to get on stage or to do a video on, you know, that's live in front of a few hundred people or to, yeah. you know, record a, a podcast or a, or a YouTube episode. What is it about this? that's so scary for people. You know, it's interesting. It logically, it makes no sense, right? It makes no sense. What's so scary? Okay, maybe if you're doing a TED talk in front of millions, maybe it logically makes sense. But if you are just recording a YouTube video, right? Logically, it makes no sense. Why would you be scared? But we all experience it. And the reason for it is because our brain perceives any so-called threatening situation as physically threatening. And our brain really cannot tell certain things apart. Our brain cannot tell if this is truly threatening, life-threatening, or if this is just, it just appears life-threatening. And so whether you are, you know, seeing a bear in the forest or you're looking at an audience of thousand people in front of you, the brain is going to perceive it as it's a threat. And because it's a threat, your brain sends fear signals to your body that are translated as physical things that we experience, like our heart is racing, right? Our knees are shaking and we're all sweaty and our brain is foggy and we can't even think, right? It's, it's truly physically, it makes sense. Logically, it makes absolutely no sense. And so we know most likely we're going to experience it. And so you, you have to learn how to disregard that signals that your brain is sending to your body and, and accept it for what it is. Your brain is taking care of you, mm. even though this may not be a threatening situation. But the biggest thing why we feel threatened is because of such thing as status, right? In, in, a, in a way, it's all about status. We are in front of an audience, right? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? Oh, they'll think I'm not good enough. Boom, that is such a big deal, right? If somebody thinks we're not good enough, our sense of who we are is tied to that judgment so much. Our sense of status is tied to that judgment so much, it immediately goes down. And so we feel like, oh, I have to do this presentation in front of a potential client. What if this potential client thinks I don't know anything and doesn't choose me? Oh, I'd rather not even go into that situation than have them prove that I'm not good enough. That fear of losing our status in somebody else's eyes or that fear of being less than, of being not good enough, that's, that's the root of imposter syndrome that everybody knows about, right? It's when we feel like a fraud and it doesn't matter how much you know. You could be the top expert in your niche and you go in front of an audience and all of a sudden you feel that way, that they will find out I'm not the top expert. They're going to find out I don't know everything. We feel like a fraud just because we're being judged. That feeling of being judged, whether we're truly judged or not, right? It's a completely different conversation, but the feeling that we're getting judged overpowers everything else. I love what you're and talking about there because a coach that I had a couple of years ago asked me a question and it changed the way I, I perceive doing presentations, doing podcast episodes like this and running Zoom calls and all the things I do for the online community. And that is that she said, if you got on a, a video and you started to talk in front of 100 people, if 99% of them judged you in a negative way, but you were able to help that one other person, and truly help and transform their life, would you do it? And that was a clear question to transform the way I see public speaking and the way I focus on public speaking. Cause my answer was absolutely. If 99, if 99% of them 
you know, 99 people were to view the video and be like, Tyson, you're an idiot. What the hell are you? <laughs> you don't know what the hell you're talking about. But that one other person, the one person, uh, the one other person that was able to view the video actually transformed, actually helped, actually, you know, started to motivate themselves to live a better quality life. I would do it every single time. And that's the question of what am I valuing? Am I valuing my status like, as you describe? Am I valuing what people think of me or am I doing it to help? Am I doing it to serve? And would I be willing to serve and help this person if it meant 99 people saying, you know, having judgments about me? And I love that question because that, that allowed me to reframe and, and definitely to refocus on, on what matters most to me, right? Right, right. And let me actually take it even a step further. People are not going to judge you if they are completely engrossed in what you're saying, okay? People will only judge you and only for a very short period of time before they dream away and they're in their own world and not even listening to you if you are delivering zero value. If what you're saying makes no sense, zero value, people will be like, okay. And then they, you know, if they have to be in the audience and they're sitting watching you, then they're just daydreaming and they're doing their thing. Nobody's going to be sitting there like, ah, judging you actively for like 60 minutes, right? <laughs> the truth is, no matter who you are, no matter how you speak, no matter how you look, no matter what filler words you're using, okay, regardless of all of that, if what you're saying is really catching on with people, if people are like sitting there going like, yeah, you're reading my, you're reading my mind, you're reading my thoughts. Yeah, this is, oh my gosh, this is so good. Do you think they're going to be sitting in that audience going like, yeah, really good value, Victoria, but I really don't like the way you look. Yeah, yeah. nobody does that and you can think of yourself like think of yourself you don't believe me think of yourself in an audience if you're watching a live stream right if you're listening to a podcast and the discussion is so like oh my gosh this is so good does it ever cross your mind that you don't like how the person looks you don't like how the person sounds you don't like that the person says i don't know like maybe every you know so often you don't pay attention to those things you're so much focused on the content on the value on how you feel how it makes you feel and i think we put a little bit too much emphasis on that we're going to get judged so even if you were like oh well 99 people out of 100 no it would never happen it would never happen that you're going to have 99 out of 100 when judging you there are going to be always people there'll always be people who don't you know you're just not kind of don't vibe with them. Much. Yeah. yeah, you just don't. They're just not, you're not their person. They're not your people. There may be a small percentage of those people. And no matter what you say and how you say, it's just like, mm, yeah. But people, they're going to be a massive, massive amount of people in that audience who are going to feel like you're their person. And what you're saying really resonates with how they feel. How you're making them feel is, is amazing. And maybe they're rethinking the whole life right now and it's not going to be one out of a hundred that percentage of people is going to be a lot bigger and the people who won't like you they're going to be very few yes there will be a few but you see that doesn't matter you have to real, you have to understand that it's the percentage is completely different and you also have to understand that people are not as judgmental as we believe when we're standing in front of an audience yeah. <laughs> that's true but and, they really they really are not and here's what i what i realized is that i overcame my fears of judgment when i stopped judging <laughs> don't you find this you find this with i mean this is all areas of psychology that we could go into but those people who fear judgment the most are the ones who judge the most and why is that because when we judge we're just judging sides of us Right. right. If we Very judge, true. if we judge someone, for example, because they don't communicate in a way that's effective, like say, if they use filler words or if they, uh, if they're stumbling on their words all the time and they're rambling, like I am right now, you know, they, they're not rambling. Nobody's judging Tyson. Nobody's judging. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
here's the thing when some, when if i'm to f- if i fear someone judging me that's because i'm judging that side of myself so one thing that truly transformed my life is that when i stopped judging the, those sides of me i stopped judging those sides of other yeah. people and therefore it opened up this energy and this space to just be who i am like you say you you can just be authentic and you can just show up and be vulnerable and there's not that fear that says this is how they're going to view me. And even if they do view me in that way, even if they do judge, I know they're just judging that side of themselves. And so it opens up this space to for this freedom for me to just yeah. say what I want to say and how I want to say it. And yeah, there'll, there'll be some fears popping up here and there, and there'll be some ego involved here and there. That's all part of us as well. But when your true main focus is towards service and it's towards being honest and open, then like you say, you, you'll be surprised with what the audience will think and you'll be surprised with what the audience will be able to feel within themselves. Is that what you found? Yeah. yeah. And I also think particularly for entrepreneurs, particularly for entrepreneurs who are teaching, you know, coaches or just whoever you are in that educational industry, if you have clients that you're teaching, a lot of times the reason we judge ourselves is we don't think we are far enough ahead of them. But I don't know all that much. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. You don't need to know everything. You don't even need to know half. You need to be just a step ahead mm-hmm. of people that you're teaching. Because if you are a step ahead, these are the people in the audience who desperately want to make that step that you already made and you're ahead by that one step. It may feel to you that I'm not that much further than them but you've made that step that they're trying to make. You don't need to be a mile ahead of them. You don't need to be hundred steps ahead of them. Even if you're only one step ahead, but you're teaching them how to make that one step, you are delivering massive value that they need. Yeah. And that's, I think, where you change the perspective of how you view yourself. That's where the I am enough comes from. I am enough where I am right now because I'm teaching exactly that, that gap that my audience needs. Mm. And you know what? If they need a gap that this big, then they're probably working with somebody else. But the reason they're working with me is because this is a gap that they need. And that's a gap that I can teach them. I'm enough. Totally. And so let's, let's bring in some practical things for that. If they're looking to make, if they're looking to make the audience feel a certain way and they're coming from a place of confidence to get them you know, just that one next step and they're looking to do a video or speak on stage. What are some things you do to prepare? Do you prepare notes? Do you prepare certain frameworks? Do you do anything in particular that allows you to prepare for a talk that, that to deliver yeah. on these certain things? Yeah. And, and of course, inside of my program, Brilliant Speakers Academy, I have like the whole framework. I call it a Brilliant Speakers Talk Crafting Framework that outlines the whole thing how you come up with a really good presentation. But just to give you a few pointers to start, number one, you need to be very, very clear on who's gonna be in your audience. And this feels like, duh, I know who's in my audience. A lot of times you don't. A lot of times you don't, or you think you do, but this is not the people who are in your audience. So if let's say you are preparing to do a live stream, you need to be crystally clear who this live stream is for. Because if you're trying to make it for everyone and you're trying to write it out, having everyone in mind, it's gonna be very wide and not focused. So you need to decide, okay, these are the people in my audience who I want to help. And then you decide on the content thinking that these are the people who are listening to me right now. This is very important. You have to know who is in your audience. And then the second thing is what we've talked about already. You're asking yourself, how can I make them feel a certain way? What I see a lot is somebody says, okay, I need to um, do a live stream. I'm just gonna sit down and just put some notes. Okay, I'm gonna talk about this and this and they put bullet points or they write out their whole speech, done. This is a little backwards because you don't want to start writing bullet points until you know 
how you want to make these people feel. Because based on that, you're going to structure and sort of, you know, shape your whole live stream. So once you know, oh, I'm going to make them feel, again, going back to your, your health coach and you want, to, you want to make them feel inspired to go to their fridge and throw away all the junk food, that's how you structure your talk so that when you get towards the end, people are going like, I am ready to go and do exactly what she says. Because then you, the examples that you're using, the stories, the anecdotes, everything is, it's like a funnel that brings them down to feeling a certain way. And so you don't start writing your bullet points just based on, oh, this is, I, I have so much knowledge in my head, I'm just going to do a brain dump. No, you decide who's in your audience, how you want to make them feel at, during this particular live stream. Not in general, but during this particular live stream, this is how I want to make you feel. And then based on that, you are beginning to shape your presentation. Beautiful. Awesome. So understanding who's in your audience and understanding what you want to make them feel and not the, and, and not to place all of your content to start with, because then it just has, it's got no context, right? It's got no, nothing right. supporting it. So then when you, once you want to once you have those pieces, those understandings of who am I talking to, what do I want to make them feel and, and why I want to make them feel that way, then you can sort of structure the content around that. And it's not necessarily to, you know, put out and say how good I am and how much I know it's, it's looking from their point of view, right? What's going to get them to that right. next step. Right. And the, and the funny thing is you don't ever, if you do it right, you don't ever have to say, look at me, how good I am. What? Yeah. Did, you, did you notice how good I am? You never have to say that because if you make them feel a certain way, they're going to remember who made them feel that way. They're yeah. going to know who inspired them, who motivated them, who encouraged them. They will know you're great at what you do. And, and, and here is the thing. Let me give you an example. So let's say there are two health coaches and they both do a live stream. One health coach follows what I just taught you that you think, okay, this, who's in my audience? Why am I doing it? How do I want to make them feel, right? Focuses on that, creates content. The other coach who knows exactly the same thing, same, same area of expertise, same knowledge, just creates content, brain dump. If the first coach who made you feel a certain way never even says, look at me, I'm so great, those people will walk away remembering this first coach. The second coach, they will walk away remembering the information, which is great. I mean, they're going to remember information, but they may not feel anything strongly about you. Mm. Wow. And if you are a coach, you really want them to think that you're great. You are the person who can actually hold their hand and lead them towards their goal, right? Mm -hmm. Information is free. <laughs> information, you can Google, you can go on YouTube and find any information you want, but it's making that connection with your audience is the trait of a really good speaker. Great. I guess that leads me to my last question, we're, we're listening to this and recognizing, okay, whenever I do something, whenever I do a, a video, whenever I'm putting something out there, I want to focus on how do I make this person feel? How am I making this unique audience feel? What are some things you can put in your presentation, things you can say or how you can say it? What are some things you can do to give someone some tips on creating that exchange of feeling to their audience? One of the ways, and there are tons of ways, obviously, but one of the ways is to tell them stories because that's kind of twofold. One reason you want to tell stories is because they're easy to remember. So if you have this fear of speaking because you know you're going to forget everything you, want, you wanted to say, and even though you may have your notes, you're still afraid you're going to forget. When you're telling stories, it's easy to remember because we remember stories really well. As long as we know what we're going to talk about, we're like, okay, I can, you know, I can tell the story. I remember the sequence of events and everything. So stories are very easy to tell and easy to remember. But the bigger thing is that a well-told a well story 
resonates with your audience and creates a feeling. Yeah. Because they story, they relate to stories. Stories engage, stories make them entertained, stories make them remember. They may forget a lot of things from your talk, but they're gonna remember those stories. Yeah. If again, if those stories make them feel a certain way. And so including stories, it's a win-win. So try to include stories. And a lot of times as a coach, the reason you teach that is because you've gone through it. So maybe stories from your own life, stories from your clients. Not, again, not telling a story to show, oh, look at me, but tell a story of a transformation or tell a story of how something wasn't working and now it's working or tell a story how it wasn't working and why it wasn't working. But tell it as a story, not just as a you know, dry fact thrown at your audience. And you will remember the story. You will be engaged and, and sort of you know, emotional telling that story because, again, it's easier for us to tell stories. Mm. And it will be easy for your audience to get involved in that story, to get engaged in that story, and again, feel a certain way and remember you. So that would be my tip that's very easy to implement right away. Start thinking, what story can I tell? What anecdote? What particularly funny stories? Funny stories are always good, unless, you know, it's not a topic for funny stories, but funny stories are good. When you make people laugh, they, they have such a good time. They definitely remember you. And, but telling stories in a way that makes people feel a certain way. I love it. And people right now listening can start to construct different ideas around if I'm putting together even like a five minute video to go out to my audience, you can ask yourself these quality questions of who, who is it for? Who's in my audience? What do I want to make them feel? And then what stories can I tell? What examples, anecdotes, you know, analogies can I use? They're going to not only allow them to feel that way, but get the message that I want to portray, that, I, that the audience wants and the audience needs to get from A to B or to just go through that one next step or whatever it may be. And I love that what you're saying, people will remember the information if you're just giving off facts and figures and you know, some, good, some good content, but they will remember you and they'll be connected to you if you make them feel a certain way. So any tips on, on, on that are really cool. And I love the one about just telling stories. The more you can tell stories, that's how we communicate. There's a reason why tens of thousands of years we've been passing down stories. You know, it's because that's how our brain functions. And so there's plenty of tips here that people can write down and start to implement. You, I'll, I say this all the time, but you will not get any benefit from this by listening to it and thinking <laughs> that's, that's great. When you implement it consistently in your life, this is what's going to really change. And so people can start to see their numbers on their videos, the engagement on their posts start to really increase when they use these strategies. So is there yeah. anything else you, you would like to add? And uh, again, even one step further, you want to implement it. Definitely. Without implementing this, nothing will truly sink in. But you also want to make it a part of who you are, mm. which means in the beginning, it has to be intentional, where you remind yourself, intentionally remind yourself that not just that you're going to implement it in today's live stream, but in tomorrow's live stream, you're going to intentionally remind yourself, oh, yeah, wait, hold on. I need to think of that. And then a week later, intentionally you remind yourself what you're trying to do is you're trying to make it a habit so that eventually you don't have to intentionally think about it yeah. eventually it becomes a part of who you are and the only way you talk is that way mm. doesn't make sense it's not only just listening is just great makes sense perfect nothing is going to change implementing yes but the next step step number two is intentionally making it a part of your life, making it a habit, yeah, making it a part of who you are. I love it. Love it. Where can people find out more about you if they want to learn more about public speaking, more about your programs, everything like that? Where can people go to find out more about you? Well, I would love to see you on my website, www.byvictoriaL.com. I have some awesome free five-day course right there on the homepage of my website and you can enroll and take it and you're going to see massive difference. Awesome. Beautiful. Well, I want to thank you for being here. This has been so cool. I took plenty of notes. There's many of <laughs> reminders and key tips that I can take away here as well. So 
it's it's great. I'll let you know how the uh, how the next of my podcast interviews and and videos and everything go when I when I have those tips. So thank you. Yes, so please keep me posted. I would love to know. Yeah, I will. I'll keep. I'll definitely keep you posted. But is there anything else that you want to remind uh, the listeners and to to wrap up to make this make this podcast feel complete? Let me say something that I say to all of my students, and I think it's going to make a difference. When you are scared of public speaking, your biggest concern is that other people notice that you're scared. And I want to remind you that we feel a lot more scared than we appear. Let me say it again. We feel a lot more scared than we appear. So even if you are, you're trying to follow, you know, what we discussed today and you're doing your live stream today and you're like, I'm shaking. Everybody can see I'm shaking. No, people don't see that you are scared. So keep on reminding yourself, I feel a lot more scared than I appear. They are not going to know. I'm not going to announce that, hey, I'm so scared, by the way. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to apologize about feeling scared. I'm just going to go and do my thing, focus on my audience, and you're going to see amazing, amazing results. Beautiful. So cool. Thank you so much for being here. This is what everyone needs right now, especially moving into 2021 with everyone being online, everyone being on video, yeah. these sort of these sort of tips really, really help for engagement and connecting. So I love everything like that. Awesome. Victoria, thanks so much for being here, sharing your story and thanks for following your heart, following your path, you know, definitely overcoming your fears to then expanding this to teaching other people. I want to thank you sincerely for that because it's a, it's very, very inspirational. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much, Tyson, for having me. It's been a blast. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Business podcast. If you're a heart-centered business owner, you know that selling, marketing, and business strategy can bring up a lot of fear, doubt, and scarcity. And this is why I created the community on Facebook called The Serving Circle. It's in here where you get to grow your business as a byproduct of asking the question, how may I serve? It's on our weekly Zoom collaborative calls where you get to serve by meeting like-minded people and organizing collaborations, service exchanges, and partnerships so together we can heighten consciousness through business success. So just search The Serving Circle in your Facebook groups and you'll see that you're just one heartfelt collaboration away from reaching your biggest business goal. Take care now.